Before we start this episode, just want to continue to give our thoughts to everybody that has been impacted by this coronavirus. Um, you know, we hope all your friends and family and loved ones are safe. Uh, but as well as that, just want to give a continual thanks to everybody who is out there working, supporting the communities, whether it is um, frontline workers in the medical field like doctors, nurses and other healthcare professionals, whether it is teachers who are still out there teaching students, um, you know, store workers, delivery drivers, couriers, um, and apologies if I have forgot anybody, but uh, just want to say a continual thanks to everybody that is out there and serving the greater needs of the community. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome to episode 19 of the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're going to be breaking down the rookie mock, sorry, the rookie draft in a league that uh, the four of us are in. Talk about our strategies, talk about the players we went, how we thought it fit team needs uh, of our opponents or even ourselves. It's a very exciting episode, and I think for people who've not yet had their rookie drafts, this will be very good insight. And even if you have, I think it might give you an idea of players you could still get relatively cheap before we think they'll blow up. So we're very excited about this episode. Uh, with me, I have Mo. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. And Chiggs. Hey, hey. How you doing, guys? Not too shabby. Excellent. Yeah, all good. All good. Mo, you're in the UK, I see. Oh, yes, uh, I've joined your time zone for once, lads. Right side it's, of the uh, pond. Yeah. Uh, weather's been all right, uh, but uh, the lockdown's been kind of uh, tenuous there here. Well, you're in your mandatory quarantine period, aren't you? So, um... oh, actually, I, I fortunately missed that. Um, I, I was free to do whatever I wanted. Oh, nice. They didn't tell you you were in quarantine. Awesome. Nope, not at all. And uh, important piece of business, but happy birthday, Chicks. So... Thank you. <laughs> oh, happy birthday. Yes, indeed. It is. So... It will have been your birthday by the time we release this because it's tomorrow on the Wednesday. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Another year older. Probably not another year wiser, but you know. <laughs> and you're saying you've got the afternoon off, so you'll be able to try and make the most of it on the day as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be quite nice. Um, yeah, obviously can't really do a lot with uh, with the current situation, but actually, not probably the worst thing in the world, just chilling out with the missus. So. Yeah. Or, or Call of Duty, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so before we break down our draft, I just want to give a shout out to the DC Presidents football team based in Durham County. We have partnered up with DC Presidents. Very excited about this partnership. We'll be doing some cross-promotional and cross-branding work across coming months. And actually looking forward when the American football season starts in the UK to go across and uh, watch a game or two as well. So, um, yeah, very excited about that, and, uh, and you know, good a luck to the Sorry, a couple of the guys are um, going to be in our new IDP league as well, right? Yes, correct. So, um, we'll, we will be getting to IDP at some point. Um, it's a new new world for me, so I'm going to need to lean on some experts to give uh, give some tips as to how to attack an IDP dynasty league. 
Maybe we can have a, a fumble recovery versus DC President's Challenge in the uh, in the IDP League. We'll have to have a little think about that. I think that sounds like a, a plan. <laughs> okay, so um, first up then, look at round one. Pick one, it's almost the most uh, straightforward pick. Uh, I know the guy who had the first pick was looking to try and accumulate a little bit more draft capital, tried to maybe get a trade to move down, but in the end, couldn't find a trade partner or something he was happy with, and Joe Burrow was the first pick. Um, I think it was a straightforward and a necessary pick. You know, the other quarterbacks that he has are Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Rivers, and Jameis Winston. So <clears throat> I think with Burrow, who should be a multi-year starter, just fills a big need in the Superflex leagues. Any thoughts around that, Chiggs? Um, I think you know it's spot on. You know, it's, we've already said it on previous episodes, but Burrow going into the draft was the clear 101 with a bullet. And given his team needs as well, with his quarterback situation, I think that's that's perfect, great pick for him. Which adds, you know, I'd say adds that longer term starter. You know, you don't think Philip Rivers has got too much longer left. He's obviously going to hope that Teddy Bridgewater can kind of deliver in Carolina and make that job his own. And Jameis, if he lands somewhere, fair enough. But at the moment, hasn't got a starting gig. So, yeah, decent pick there for Joe Burrow. Agreed. And pick number two, the team there, Danny, needed QB and RB. And I'm sure he mulled over CEH, Jonathan Taylor and Tua. But the pick was Tua. I think it's a very sensible move. I know sometimes these running backs particularly seem appealing because there can be instant hits. But in a super flex, I think Tua was the right move there. Any thoughts on that, Mo? Do you think he should have done something different? No, I agree. Um uh, you have to go with Tua here. If anything, maybe try to accumulate some picks. Uh, just uh, dropping back, uh, just trading back on uh, possibly, you know, a couple, couple first maybe. But um, yeah, no, I mean, at this point, I, I think, I think, I believe I, the owner did try trading back here and there, but couldn't, couldn't really pull off any, uh, any deals. So he just ended up with going with the best available player on the board, which would be Tua in a super flex. Yep, and then it gets down to me and Chiggs. So Chiggs was pick three, I was pick four. We had tentatively spoke about trading for me up to three and Chiggs down to four with a few other pieces. I think ultimately it was having to give up the pick six for the pick nine and then also I think a third for a fourth. That just made me think I'm not going to do it. Now, the interesting thing was it was a bit of a game theory going on here because we're both trying to second guess who each other's going to take. Now, I said to Chiggs after the pick that my preference was actually Jonathan Taylor. And the reason I was considering the trade-up was in our rankings, Chiggs had Jonathan Taylor higher and vice versa. I had CEH higher, but what made me sway towards Taylor was the... Um, touchdown potential and I thought he'll get more goal line work but Chiggs you ended up taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire so we kind of flipped on our 3-4 what was your thinking there? Yeah so the reason I was trying to trade back from three to four um, was I was hoping you would take um, if you were if you took Jonathan Taylor at three I'd have taken CEH at four made my job very easy if you had taken CEH at three I was actually going to take J.K. Dobbins at four because I know Sid in five wanted him. 
So I was hoping if I took Dobbins at five, uh, Dobbins at four, he would take Herbert at five, and then I'd pick up Taylor at six, and then end up with Dobbins and Taylor. So I was trying to, you know, that's why I was trying to move up to six, um, whilst you know, just giving up a little bit of edge from three to four. Um, but ultimately, obviously, the trade didn't come off. Um, and then for me, the reason I actually ended up going with CEH was purely because um, the Chiefs running backs, for me, obviously, love Jamal Charles historically. And I can just kind of see him having similar sort of impact there. So it was more a little bit of a, a homer pick. I think, I think you know, him and Taylor, you can split them by a hair, you know. I think we've talked about it before. So it was just a little bit of a, okay, well, I want, you know, to root for the Chiefs a little bit and watch um, CEH. So it's the only reason I kind of went there. Yeah, uh, and I, I went into the draft all along saying I wanted three RBs with my three firsts. I did eventually, I had four and traded one away, but... That was the strategy, to be honest, uh, all along. So you took CEH at three. I took Jonathan Taylor at four. I think the quickest pick of the whole draft, it must have been less than five seconds, <laughs> was Sid taking J.K. Dobbins. Didn't even consider Herbert or Lamb or Judy. It was before I knew it, I was back on the clock at six. And this is where things got interesting. But anything, any thoughts on Dobbins going there? I think it's yeah, I think it's spot on. You know, he's he's already got Lamar Jackson. He, I think he's set at quarterback. You know, it's a little bit of a sketchy situation. I think his second or third. He's obviously got Drew Brees as well, but I think longer term it might be a little bit, um, a little bit dicey. But obviously with Lamar Jackson in there is his is his clearer um, QB one. Probably yeah. the need for Herbert wasn't really there. So adding J.K. Dobbins in there potentially, you know, this guy could be you know, an RB1 for years to come. So, yeah, I really like the pick. As I said, I would have taken him potentially at four myself, potentially at, um, at four myself if I'd traded back. The owner being a Ravens fan too, it was a no-brainer for him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's just so lethal in the future, isn't it? Having Lamar and Dobbins, is just so many fantasy points I can see those two putting up on a weekly basis. So, smart pick, uh I was a little gutted by that because I did want Dobbins and I was kind of hoping Sid would go down the Swift or Herbert uh, route. But say la vie, I was on the clock at six and this is where things got interesting because I wanted Swift or Long. However, Cash, who is a former guest at seven, wanted this pick because... And he, he made it clear that he wanted Lamb and Judy. But as as you all know who play fantasy there's always a bit of cat and mouse and fibbing that goes on within these within these trade talks sometimes and I was really concerned about losing out on Swift so we did talk about Daniel Jones for the pick at the time for the 106 uh, and I was tempted because I do kind of need QB but with Mahomes it's not a desperate need and I just couldn't trust that he would not take Swift uh, as much as he said he wanted Lamb and Judy I just wasn't sure and we talked about a few things where I wanted a bit more value couldn't really agree on it so I thought no I don't want to miss out on Swift I wanted at least the, you know two of the four big running backs and that's what I did I went Swift but that's when I proposed to Cash who I said look I've now got the eighth pick if you still want Judy and Lamb then I'll outright trade you the 108 for Daniel Jones. 
because that way I'm guaranteed I've got DeAndre Swift. Any concerns I had about you taking him goes. If you want to do your Jerry Jones thing and take Judy and Lamb, you now can. And, you know, what you were proposing before, I'll take. And uh, it wasn't actually much hesitation. Um, so we traded. I traded away my 108. Cash took that. He then had the 7 and 8 and took Lamb and Judy. So ended up that I got Swift, one of the guys I wanted. And then I got a QB with, I thought, pretty good value at 108. But, Mo, what are your thoughts on all of those transactions that happened and the picks that followed? I think they made perfect sense for you. Um, I was not a fan of Cash, uh, uh, the individual taking CeeDee Lamb and Judy uh, there back-to-back. I mean, if if I think you're going to see at least two to three years for them to develop. You're losing, uh, you know, a QB. You're giving up a mid-first round, which that's that's fair. I, I'm 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 not um, I'm fine with that. But I was just surprised for me to acquire two wide receivers. Granted, you know they are the, the probably you know the, probably the best two receivers coming out of the draft. But again, I was you know as I mentioned earlier in some of the other earlier episodes of the podcast, just not a big fan of where they where they've landed. And I mean, you know. You, you know, they will get their looks in the long run, but, I mean, they have tons of uh, other offensive, you know, players beside them that will take a lot of those uh, touches and targets away from them. So I'm, I'm not a fan of taking both. I mean, I would have taken one. Um, and if I was going to trade up here, I probably would have gone for maybe a Cam Akers or a Herbert type of draft pick. I wouldn't have gone for another wide receiver. Um, I mean, that's that's my take on it. I mean... Because I, I honestly, again, you, you, you can have the best talent in the world, but if you don't get those looks, I mean, if you don't get those targets, I think that can sometimes, you know, have a negative impact on, you know, the player's psyche to an extent. And, I mean, you know, there's, that's one thing I was not a fan of. I, I mean, best, play, best wide receivers coming out, but the, just one, one, of, one of the, probably the top two worst landing spots, I believe. It's it's a, it's a very interesting one because for for a couple of years now this class has been talked about as the almost generational class for receiving talent, uh, and as it turned out, there was also you know great running backs in the mix. But when you look at some of the receivers who went, a lot a lot of players talked up and did go in the first round or even in before the middle of the second, which is relatively early for receivers or so many receivers. And I kind of understand Cash's thinking, and he explained it well, which is, you know, all along, Lamb and Judy have been the one-two, the one-two, the one-two. Rugs maybe sometimes in the conversation, but if you're looking at players in this draft who could become a top three, not even a top 12, top three wide receiver, they're the two most likely from their, you know, college production. And he just wanted a piece of that. So I, I kind of get it. Plus he had four starting quarterbacks um i think value wise i probably won that trade but i do get what cash is trying to do which is just go on the upside of arguably the two best receivers in the class um, but for me it was straightforward decision it was going to be either daniel jones or herbert or cam Akers, and i don't think either of those two come close to jones in a superflex after the year one he had so for me it was straightforward for cash I do kind of get it because he had the luxury of four starting QBs. Chiggs, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I think you definitely got the edge on the trade. I'm still a little bit unsure about him. The reason is, is if you look at his quarterbacks, he's obviously got Dak, Booze, he's, he's, you know, he's his QB1. 
but there's no guarantee that Dak's going to sign in, in Dallas, you know, in terms of what the contract situation is. But um, And he's got Drew Locke as his, you know, his QB2. He showed some good stuff at the end of last season, but again, a little bit unproven. You know, it remains to be seen. Can he carry that on in the year two? And then basically his, his, his backup quarterback now is Jared Siddham. So, you know, he didn't, to me, he didn't show enough last year to sort of say this guy is the longer-term answer. And he's given up Daniel Jones, who the Giants took, was it sixth or even fourth overall last year? Fourth, I believe. Uh, fourth, yeah. So, you know, they've invested draft capital in this guy. And he looked all right, you know? Like, he's a guy that you think you can develop into a, you know, a solid quarterback. So I think you've done very well to get that. To be fair, I mean, obviously, I love C.D. Lamb. I love Jerry Judy. So... Getting both of those guys, I don't think it's a position of need for him. That's the problem. For me, if I was him, I'd have traded back from um, picks um, from his pick seven and moved back to try and pick up um, Cam Akers or Keyshawn Vaughn and picked up draft capital in the process because he hasn't got any depth at running back, and that's his issue. So maybe he can trade some of his wide receivers to get that, but he's basically Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt are his two mm. running backs. But he's arguably got the best receivers in our whole league now, right? Yeah, he, he has. And, and the good thing is, um, you can obviously the flexibility of playing any positions, but I would still like to have a little bit more running back depth there. So I think he would probably now be looking to sort of move some of his pieces, maybe move, move two wide receivers to try and get a top-tier running back, maybe. Yeah, and what I would like to call out, and this is more for listeners you know, playing in their own dynasty leagues, it's not uncommon. There will be other managers who want and love Lamb and Judy and just want to look at their roster and see those two receivers. So if you're in a position like I was and if you're able to get a quarterback, a start-worthy quarterback, I think it's worth doing because your alternative is taking a punt on Justin Herbert, who may turn out to be great, but you know he's not starting immediately, you don't think. So if you can get a starter like Daniel Jones. And I, I don't think that would happen very often, but it just shows that if you've got a manager desperate for that Judy and Lamb, and I've seen it a lot on other Facebook groups and Twitter posts and stuff where people are over the moon that they manage to trade and get those two, just as cash was, you can actually cash in on that, no pun intended. You can get a decent haul for your pick to, to, to trade away to the guy who wants Lamb and Judy on their roster. Okay, so then next up, Chiggs, it was you. I think for you, this was, ended up being a no-brainer. I thought you may go Cam Akers, personally, at the nine, but you went for Justin Herbert. Yeah, I just couldn't pass up on the value. You got know, pre-draft, I kind of, when I was doing my draft board, I thought Herbert would fall to me here if he didn't go um, at five. So I kind of had it in my mind that if Herbert was sitting there at nine, unless someone made me like a massive offer to move up to get him, I was going to take him and then immediately try and look for trade partners. You know, there's a few guys in our league that, that need a quarterback. Um, and that's yes. actually what we ended up doing. The only thing is, what I did deviate from slightly was I actually ended up moving him pretty much straight away. Um, you know, as I picked him, I think I pretty much traded him away immediately. And the reason for that was... So basically, I got Justin Herbert at 109, traded him to Chris, who had the 201, 
and I got uh, the 201 from him plus Darius Geis. Yeah. Well, and uh, 203 and... Uh, well, yeah, so I moved back from 203 to 204. Okay, uh, that was it, yeah. We switched 203 and 204. So, that, that, yeah, that was, wasn't really some, much of a muchness. But, um, yeah, the thing for me was obviously going into the draft, I needed depth. So my starting, um, starting roster, I think, is pretty strong. I've got three very good quarterbacks in Jared Goff, Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers. So I didn't really need Justin Herbert or you know, the youth of him there. So my aim was to try and just accumulate depth because that's what really hurt me last year. So getting into 201 meant I could then target one of you know, my guy at wide receiver in that sort of next tier down. And I got Darius Geis, who, you know, if he pans out, could be, you know, really good for me. But obviously the injury concerns are still there. But, you know. Above all, it's good value. So I like what you did. I think you could have squeezed a little bit more out, but you definitely didn't lose that trade, you know, from a... From a team yeah. need perspective. And, so the, uh, the reason I, I took a little bit less value than I, you know, if, I think if I'd waited um, towards the start of the season, I probably could have got more value for it, was purely because at 203, I didn't think I was going to get my guy, um, which was Michael Pittman. I mean, I'll reveal it now, but I've got Michael Pittman at the 201. I think uh, the guy who had the 202 was going to take him ahead of me. And so that's why I kind of decided to just give up a little bit of value there just so I can you know, make sure I got him because I kind of knew that Mo was going to take uh, his two guys at 11 and 12. So you didn't think Mo would go for Pittman? No. I mean, I think I think Mo was already nailed on for um, Ruggs and Rager. So the only yeah. wild card was at 110, which meant if he had taken Pittman at 10, then I could have got Cam Akers at the 201. So either way... You know, it would have been good for could have been good for me. Yeah, it was one of those trades that just benefited everyone yeah. involved. Um, I think it was a good trade by everyone. I said that on our group chat at the time as well. So one ten was a position I was actually trying to trade up to, and um, fairly aggressively, I offered two seconds and a third. But ultimately, um, the guy who owned it, which was Kirsch, wanted one of the receivers. Uh, that was Pittman, uh, Jefferson, or Higgins, uh, or Rager, I should say. And when he looked at the 206, he just didn't think any of them would fall. So as much as I tried, I couldn't make that move. And ultimately, it was Danny who moved up from the 202 to 110 uh, to take the homer pick, but also last of the running backs in Cam Akers, last of the, you know, the first tier of running backs, you could argue, in Cam Akers. And, uh, you know, admittedly, I was trying to trade up to get the same player. I wasn't eyeing receiver at this pick. I wanted to try and get three running backs as I targeted all along. Um, that trade was made. I then tried with uh, Mo as well. Um, and, you know, Mo, I think you were concerned that the 206 was too late to get the player you wanted. Um, so I think that was that was the concern that many players had. So I had to let it be. Uh, and then, Mo, you went Rugs and Rager. Was there much doubt there? Did you think? twice about any of those picks um i think at this position i was if kick if acres fell i was definitely taking acres as one of my picks and then i would i've been torn between rugs and Rhaegar. um and also i did have a i did throw jefferson in the mix just 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 for little little debate little controversy i was like all right i, I like jefferson i love the landing spot 
And um, at the end, though, I think I just have to go with just my gut instinct. And I mean, these two are probably more boom, more boom, boom or bust type of players. Um, that's the only that that's the only one thing I didn't like. So I was thinking of getting one of them and maybe go with Jefferson um, a little bit more of a you know of a safe pick when it comes to that position where he's landed. But um, at the end, I think I just the pure talent. I mean, I I I, I think Ruggs is, is 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 watching tape on him. I think he's amazing. Um, and I and I think he's just been overshadowed by just other other talent on that Alabama team. And Rhaegar, I mean, as Chiggs mentioned multiple times, you know, he was making a play he was making with no QB. Um, so I think I think this talent, the upside to both these players is is amazing. And um, I, I mean, I personally, I think honestly in this draft, just because of landing spots, I probably would have ranked. I mean, even you know, if if I had the fifth or sixth seventh pick here in the draft, I would have traded back. Um, and I, I probably I probably wouldn't have gone for Lamb and Judy just because I think it's more it's a it's at least a, for in my opinion for those two players to develop uh where they are, I think it's gonna be a minimum at least a two to three year wait period um for them to get that prime, you know, that wide receiver one type of points that you want from a receiver that you draft in the first round. And I think Ray Ruggs and Rager both have that opportunity right out the door to achieve that um level. So, I mean, again, I think I'm not going to uh, first year wide receivers. I'm not going to count much for them. I'm hoping second year they, they're going to they're going to be they're going to they're going to they're going to they're be putting up some points next year. Yeah, and I, I was quite open with you. I told you who I was trying to trade up for. And that was Justin Jefferson. He was my he was my wide receiver three as we got to draft day. And my wide receiver four was somebody who I then actually traded for later but uh, yeah I, if you like your play it's very subjective at this stage and it's it's a cluster of receivers and Keyshawn Vaughn any sort of rankings or mock draft or anything you look at it was generally a cluster <clears throat> of receivers after those first 10 picks with Keyshawn Vaughn thrown into the mix broadly speaking um, so that that's where we got to you know then it was um, on first pick of the second and again I tried to make a move because Justin Jefferson was still on the board and Chiggs wasn't interested he just wanted his guy so as you alluded to earlier you took Michael Pittman why was he your guy here and not say Jefferson Higgins or Mims so obviously my rankings I think I had Higgins highest of the guys in this range but just going back and watching more tape um, I really like Michael Pittman's game. He sort of, he shot up my draft board quite a bit, and like Mo was just talking about, I think the opportunity is there for him to start delivering in year one. So you know, given the makeup of my team, I think I can contend for the ship this year. And I think the other wide receivers potentially, maybe longer term, maybe have a little bit more upside. You know, but. I just don't think Jefferson has going to have the same sort of passing volume that he's going to need to sustain you know, those kind of numbers in uh, Minnesota. T. Higgins is obviously stuck behind AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross is still there. So, you know, I think longer term, I really love T. Higgins' talent and what he can become. But I just don't think um, there's anyone in Indianapolis to really stand in Michael Pittman's way. So, you know, with Phil Rivers there slinging the ball see what he's done with um, his receivers in San Diego or LA now. Um, so hopefully Pittman can kind of be that guy. 
I actually, honestly, I think before even the NFL draft, Pittman was one of my sleepers. I was I was hoping to get him in the two seven. Um, I, I think that's a fantastic pick, honestly. Um, I do have a question for you there, though. If 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 Rugs or Rhaegar fell, mm. would you take them? Would you take one of them over Pittman? I would have taken Rhaegar for sure. So Rhaegar was my number three receiver in this class, I think, uh, behind Lamb and Judy. <sighs> With Rugs, I think I probably still would have gone for Pittman. Interesting. Yeah, and and then the dream died for me. Justin Jefferson was taken <laughs> by Kush eventually. Um, I, I guess for him it would have come down to Jefferson versus Higgins versus Mims. Um, Jefferson was my wide receiver three in this draft, so um, completely get that pick. And then, without much even thought, Chris took Keyshawn Vaughn at the two hundred three, which sensible pick. It's a Team need for him. I'm not very high on Vaughn. I think we've discussed this before. Chiggs, I know you are high on him. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch and see how Vaughn does. Um, because there's still a good chance he could become Rojo part two, you know. So, um, mm. you never know. These guys. So I, Vaughn definitely wasn't one I was targeting. But, Mo, what are your thoughts on that pick? Oh, you know me. I think we've had multiple fab bets. <laughs> Vaughn is my player. Um, hashtag uh, not my running back. Um, <laughs> I believe uh, actually, I, I, I'm I'm still waiting for that little update from uh, Sleeper or Bleacher to you know say that uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed Devontae Freeman uh, <laughs> to a one-year deal. There's a lot of talk about it. Yeah, there's, there's a bit of a gamesmanship there going on. Come get me, kind of stuff. So let's see what happens. Now this is this is funny because all along in my mind I'd convinced myself that pick 18 where I was was a tearbreaker and I knew all along that this is probably how the draft would fall that Mims would go just before me and then I'd be looking at Edwards, Ayuk, Chenault or possibly Van Jefferson or Jordan Love. When I saw Higgins fall at the 204 I made a very aggressive move because for me, he was my wide receiver four from a dynasty perspective going into this. So I had it as a lamb, then Judy, then Jefferson, then Higgins, then Pittman and then Ruggs. Just me personally. Um, I, I don't think Reagan is going to get that much opportunity in year one. People forget just how many receivers and tight ends there are. So while I trust the talent later on, I do think that Reagan is not going to get much in year one. Now, when I was thinking about it, this is where I made the move to you, Chiggs. I gave you 206 and 210. And you also had another second there, you, didn't you? You had the 208. 208, yeah. So that meant you would have had four seconds. But I offered you the 206 and the 208, 210, sorry, for the 204. I wanted to get Higgins. When I saw him on the board, I thought I'm going to make an aggressive move. I think you mulled it over and then within a few minutes said yes. And I think you also gave me the 404 in the end, which yeah. t which turned out to be Albert O. We'll touch on him later. So I was delighted with that. To get T. Higgins uh, at this pick, I know I gave up a fair bit of draft capital, but as much as I convinced myself there was a tearbreaker, when I saw Higgins available, I didn't think Mims would fall to me. So when I saw Higgins available... I thought, I don't want Ayuk because I've got Debo, so I'm never going to start both. Brian Edwards, I like the talent, but um, 
if it's a t choice of him or Higgins, it was a no no debate for me. So that's why I made the aggressive move. I did. Um, and Chiggs, obviously, you got a lot of value in that, so you must have been happy with the value. Yeah, at the time, again, for me, I was going to take T Higgins there for sure. Um, but again, just needing that depth, I thought it's too much to pass up. I moved down two spots. I was hoping to still try and get Denzel Mims at 206 and hope it slid to me. Actually, after we traded straight away, the first thing I did, I went on to Sid and tried to offer him something to move back up to the 205 just yeah. so I could make sure I secured Mims. Um, and, he, and he basically, he, he said, look, I don't see anyone here else other than Mims. So I offered him quite a lot in the end to do it. And he still said no. <laughs> um, so I was fine with that because as you say, I got the 206, I had the 208 already and I got the 210. So I knew I was going to get three decent players to add some depth to my squad. Obviously I've got, CEH, uh, Pittman and um, Darius guys from, you know, the kind of the first round picks and trading and stuff. So, yeah, I, th I think the value was just too good for me to pass up. But there was a bit of disappointment for you, wasn't there? Yes, <laughs> yes, there was, which we'll come to in a bit. Which we'll come to. So you ended up taking Brandon Ayuk. Any, any yeah, so, so this, is, this is where yeah. you start in trying to, um, you're trying to outthink your opponents in your league and you know, a bit of game theory and stuff. And so, yeah, so Sid obviously took Denzel Mims at 205. Um, pretty much the clear pick there. So then I had a choice there between Ayuk, Jordan Love and Brian Edwards was my was my basically looking at. So pre-draft, I went in thinking that 208, Jordan Love is nailed on for me. I already have Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to reach a little bit, get Jordan Love at 208 sorted so then the other three picks i'll pick up you know whoever i can and mo has the 207 and i know he loves brandon Ayuk. i think he had him very highly rated on his ranking so i thought if i take brian edwards here mo goes Ayuk, i get jordan love at 208 or if i take Ayuk here maybe he goes um, someone else at 207 then i get edwards at eight and then I can pick up Jordan Love at 210. So this is where I was trying to be a little bit cute. Um, take Ayuk ahead of Mo, knowing that he already has Henry Ruggs he's just taken, so he's not going to take Brian Edwards. And then he would slide to me. What I didn't bank on was Mo reaching up and taking Jordan Love at 207, which uh, really annoyed me quite a lot. <laughs> oh, that was payback, sir. Um, uh, I think at this point, my, my pick after... after... Uh, you there at the two seven, I, I think I was surprised Ayuk fell this this far. Um, like I actually had a chance with them. I already, I already wrote Ayuk off, and I was like, I, I was, I'm probably going to get um, uh, someone like Chenault, which I, I would have been fine with. Um, but once you took Ayuk, I was like, oh man. And then I think Jordan Love was always there. He was always in the back of my head, like I could always get him. But I was hoping to get him at the two twelve, which clearly was not going to happen with you there. And um, <laughs> looking at your funny. roster. So I was, I was hoping, like, that's what I was hoping. You would you would take Chenault at the two seven and try and get Love at the two twelve. Yep. <laughs> um, so Mo, yeah. if Ayuk and Love were both available, who would you have taken? If Ayuk and Love were both available, based on my roster, I would have taken Ayuk. 
based okay. on my roster yeah. and what I need as players. However, based on a value standpoint and trading and, and playing the dynasty, the long game, I would have taken love. So I think I think at that spot I was always a fifty-fifty, <clears throat> and I, I was th- I was basing it just solely based on 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 the long-term value, being the patient enough to hold on to love for a while, um, or just some immediate trade value upside I would get. Because I mean, once you took Ayuk, I was like, well, I know. I know Chicks doesn't really want Ayuk. I can always get Ayuk plus something for love, even if I, even if I don't care for love at that very well, moment. Well, see, that's the thing. I, I wouldn't give you Ayuk plus something for love. It'd have to be the other way around. Really? See, yeah. okay, that's where. Okay, see, I think that's where we're going to be at an impasse, and and that's where I just have to be comfortable at that at that point. Where like, am I willing to hold on to this guy for for a while? And 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 I, and I was, and because I think in this in, in this draft, there's only three QBs I really really liked. And without any injury concerns, and just, 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 and where, where I think where the value of where they're falling. One was Burrow. I mean, he's he's the best coming out. I didn't care for Tua or Herbert because they're going too early, and I don't think it was worth for me to, you know, go up, go up and get them. And I think Love, again, pre pre draft NFL draft, Love, Love. So Love was my second best QB on my board of where I could probably target him, where I get him. And I think I just, I just really loved, you know, his what he had, and I'll, and. Landing there in Green Bay, I thought was the ideal position for him, because he can sit back a couple of years. You know the history with the Green Bay Packers; they've only drafted, you know, you know, quarterbacks. They've only traded up or tra- drafted quarterbacks in the first round who who are going to be the heir apparent of the current quarterback quarterback in play. And you know that was Favre, and that was with um, Rodgers, and and this is this third time with Love. And that's how the GM, that's what the GM's history has been, and that's what he does. So I liked him, and, and the fourth was actually someone I picked up in the fourth round. That was easy, um, but um, those those are the QBs where I thought I can get good solid value for. And I, the only thing is, was I willing enough to be patient enough to hold on to him? And then again, looking at my team, winning it last year, I, I don't have any dire needs. And I think in the long run, I think this is just going to be, you know, an asset you've bought for cheap, and you're just hoping it, you know, matures or you know, to to, you know, to to hopefully you know a decent price here in the next two years. Yeah, see, for me, like, the reason I wanted Love, obviously, the 208, was I wasn't willing to spend any earlier capital on him, but given that I've already got Aaron Rodgers on my team, you know, it would have been the perfect kind of, um, sort of, if he, if, he gets, if he goes injured or if he, you know, ends up leaving, you know, he loves ne- that next guy in line. So it just kind of secures that backfield. But yep. for me, he's going to be taking up a roster spot on my bench, which, you know, I, I can hold him and I'm happy to do that. But at the same time, you know, I'm hoping that Ayuk's going to come in, start contributing straight away. Um, you know, I know I've talked about it. You know, I don't think the volume's going to be there in the Carl Shanahan offense. But, you know, I've taken a shot at him, Pittman and Edwards and Van Jefferson. So, you know, I've got four receivers from this class that I, I really like all of them, um, talent-wise. I think Ayuk's probably got the... Opportunity-wise, is probably you know going to struggle a little bit. But if he pops off, then you know I can, I can hopefully then end up moving him for something else down the line. I, I, I'm I'm I've always been a fan of Ayuk. His talent levels for me is up there, but um, landing spot. I mean, Debo and Kittle are going to be the first and second option in the passing game, and they're just a pure you know first run type of uh, offense. And that, that's the only thing that was the only downside with Ayuk. Yeah. I, I trust the system. That's the thing. Uh, I do trust the system. And 
Carl Shannon's got a creative way of getting points for his players. It's just whether they can all eat, as you say, ultimately. So then, um, you, Chiggs, you did have next pick. Was it much thought here? Was it Brian Edwards? Easily? It, was, it was always going to be Brian. I, I actually wanted Brian Edwards at 206, but I knew that I wouldn't take him at seven. So mm. I was hoping that he would slide back to me at eight, and he, and he did. Um, you know, so... As I say, if Mo had taken Chenault at seven, then I would have got Ayuk, Edwards, and Jordan Love, and I would have been over the moon with the draft. As it turns out, you know, still got Ayuk and Edwards. Very happy with that. You know, I, I, I think Brian Edwards' opportunity there is fantastic. I really like the talent as well. Um, you guys are really putting your money where your mouth is because you've got the Edwards versus Ruggs bet, and Chiggs has taken Edwards, Mo has taken Ruggs. So, uh, yeah, it's like a double whammy. <laughs> I, think, I think I made a terrible decision of showing my hand of how I uh, early on where I think I, I have everything going with the rugs. I, I think they knew no chance I was going to take uh, Edwards at seven. I did like Edwards prior to the draft, actually. Um, I, I totally forgot. He just one of those guys that kind of, uh, you know, I really liked him. Thought he'd be a, he'll be a sleeper later in the rounds. But, I mean, every, everyone was quite bullish on him. I guess you guys are too smart on some of these wide receivers. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great pick. I think I think I think that was a given. Him uh, personally, me there just because I had rugs, I would have gone with Chenault. Um, but uh, yeah, he I think he's he's going to be an interesting player. I think I think rugs and Edwards are going to be the one and two uh, for the future there. You know, with the Raiders. Yeah, and Chenault was actually the next pick taken. I don't hate it. Uh, Chenault just worries me because of the injuries he had last season. As I think you said, he got injured at the draft as well. Uh, <laughs> before that, he was touted to be a round one player, and way too early mocks were even mocking him. You know, I think he was at Colorado and mocking to the Broncos at pick fifteen. So obviously had a lot of high upside going into the draft, but uh, I think those injuries and stuff, even from a fantasy perspective. Plus, he's at the Jags who still you'd think are a bit of a run-first team. They're a team in transition as well. But it's a sensible pick here. I think for Ben, it was his first pick of the draft. He had traded away his first. Um, you know, so it was a case of, does he take Chenault, Van Jefferson, Zach Moss, uh, or maybe Darrington Evans? I think they were the most sensible sort of next pick. So he went Chenault, and then Chiggs, that gave you a chance to get Van Jefferson. Was it a yeah. no-brainer at this stage, or did you mull over other options? Oh. I'm mulled over Zach Moss for sure, um, but you know I could I could have traded back potentially and tried to pick up Van Jefferson a bit later. But to be honest, I've got my guys um, added. You know, added the depth that I needed, and you know I've, I've already talked about it before, and I know you love him as well. But I think Van Jefferson is one of the best route runners in the um, in the class, and I can see an opportunity for him. Maybe not this year um, in LA, but I'm hoping he can kind of carve out that sort of slot role over there. Very uh, underrated player. I, I I love that Van Jefferson pick. He was one of the players I was considering if I didn't trade, and I kept the 06 and the pick 10. Uh, but no, I like that pick a lot. Uh, it's taken early by the Rams. It may have even been their first pick, I think, you know, considering the needs they had and the players that they lost because of the cap issues, etc. Um, so no, very sensible pick. Imran took Zach Moss next at 11. Um, I think out of everyone available, this was a tear-breaker for sure. You know, the most sensible pick. Um, so can't 
fault it at all. Moss has the upside of if anything happens to Singletary uh, or if they think Singletary is not a three down back. I do think he is. Uh, I, I love Singletary. I think he's got a lot of upside. But no, I don't blame anyone for taking Moss at the back end of the second. And then Mo, so you went down to Nevins. Any other players you considered? Uh, yeah, this was, this was a tough one. Um, I, think, I, I think I was leaning towards running back at this position. And I would have loved to get Moss, um, but uh, he was taken right before me. And the next player I was looking at is McFarland. Um, I, I, I think I, I think I touted both McFarland and Evans quite high. Just the running styles, I just love the way they run. Um, I just think uh, Evans ended up in a more favorable spot. I mean, he is essentially the backup there in a run-heavy offense. Anything happens to Henry. He's going to get his points. Um, I think he's an amazing runner from good old App State, North Carolina. Um, he's, uh, yeah, just, just watching some of the highlights. I mean, you just watch him, watch him run. He's, he's, got, he's got some skills. Um, A.J. Dillon was a thought here as well, um, just because I have Aaron Jones. Um, but I think, I think, I think the upside, I, I'm just, again, this is going back, just watching some of the highlights. I think I've rated Evans uh, and McFarlane. Uh, up there, probably I would say equal one and two, and then AJ Dillon below them, below both of them. So I, I wasn't really looking at AJ Dillon. I was, it was either going to be McFarlane or um, Evans, and then just kind of watching last minute tape, and um, and also just uh, just kind of hyping myself up, and just just the, uh, the the backfield. I mean, he's 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 not you know he he's the backup. He has no one. He's going to be fighting uh, fighting for for touches. Unlike uh, McFarlane, you know, he's got. Uh, He's got um, Connor. He's got um, your boy Smell, and um, he's also got uh, Samuels. So that's that's why I kind of kind of kind of just just because op- again opportunity wise, I think I had to go towards Evans. Okay, so that rounds off the second round uh, in terms of the top twenty-four. We did have three picks, almost like compensatory picks here. Two thirteen was for the winner of the toilet bowl. 214 goes to the winner of a survivor pool that we run in the league. And 215 is something we call the elimination pool, which is where every week the lowest score gets eliminated and the rest of the players continue until there's one winner. So at the 213, Sid, who was otherwise the pick five, took Jalen Hurts in a Superflex league. I think that's a sensible pick after the top three have gone and Jordan Love. Can't really blame him for taking uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, next up was Danny, who was the winner of the Survivor Pool, and he took Cole Komet. Again, tight end premium league, first tight end off the board, first tight end drafted. Chicago invested their first pick of the draft as well. So I do like that pick of Cole Komet at pick 26. And finally, it was Chris, who was otherwise pick 10, and he took KJ Hamler. So I think KJ Hamler is just an upside player, uh, a lot of speed and if they can find a way to use him like some p- previous coaches have with the likes of, you know, dare I say Tyreek Hill or even other, other good speedsters um, like Ted Ginn, for example, could carve out a career. Uh, so I think that was just the upside move and knowing that he wouldn't have fallen to him otherwise. So I guess I can understand why um, Chris took him. So those were the three picks before the third round. And Mo, you had first pick of the third here. And you took Adam Troutman. Uh, so I'm guessing he was your number two tight end then. He's actually my number one tight end. Um, I thought, okay. 
Um, I uh, again, just out of a uh, situation. I mean, uh, Chicago has what 10, 11 tight ends on their roster. Um, they're not a team that's that that's that's very that's known for developing tight ends. I can't remember the last time they had a solid tight end. Uh, they actually traded up Greg Olson because it didn't work for him, and that's how Carolina got him. Uh, so I, I have no faith in Chicago and tight ends. Let's put it that way. So um, plus, I think skill level wise and the landing spot for Troutman. I think Troutman, in my opinion, was the best receiving tight end in this draft. Um, I think Cole Komet was overall best tight end, you know, both receiving and blocking. But Trout, uh, uh, Troutman is the best clear receiving tight end in the league, and he's he's a, he's in an ideal offensive scheme there in uh, with the Saints. Uh, you know, they they they're no they're renowned for developing tight ends in that offensive system. Granted, um, you know, you kind of hope Breeze has a couple more years with him in, in him, continue playing. But um, if you watch some of the highlights in, in Dayton, he almost kind of reminds you of a Kittle. I don't, he's nowhere near as great as Kittle when it comes to blocking. Uh, and, um, but some of those receiving and some of those you know, yards after the catch, he, he's, got a little, he's, got a little, he's got a little toughness in him that he just has a knack of just catching the ball and just you know, making things go. And I, I believe he's the first player to be drafted by Dayton. Um, I mean, they're not known for, you know, bringing out, uh, pro, uh, pro level athletes there, they're, you know, that are tutored upon being drafted. But, um, Adam Troutman was essentially their whole offense last year. And, um, yeah, and I, I've just, I think, I think again, it's based on the player skill level and, and where he landed. I think, um, you know, Cook, this is last year of his contract. He's going to be learning, uh, behind Cook. Um, and I think, you know, he's, he's got some great, uh, teachers there, coaches there, uh, to kind of, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, develop into a solid tight end there. Yeah, and th- this is where, I mean, I, I like the pick in the Superflex. Uh, I hear what you're saying. Once Jared Cook retires or moves on, he could have a path to targets. The player I really wanted here is, I was trying to trade up for as soon as you took Troutman, I was trying to trade with Kush at the second pick, uh, but Kush wanted his guy. Ben could pick before I could trade. And then I tried quite aggressively to move up two spots to fourth. But I'll, I'll talk that one through. So Kush took Antonio Gibson. I think after much deliberation, he wasn't sure on trading down a few spots. He just wanted his guy here, took Antonio Gibson. Bit of a gadget player, but it'll be interesting. I think the coaching staff at Washington love him and see if he can carve out a role there, either as a receiver or a running back or whatever it might be. But multi-talented player. Next was Chase Claypool, Ben. I mean, in the third round, what would otherwise be the middle of the third, very sensible pick, very high draft capital as well. He went in the second round, I believe, Chase Claypool. So he was the Steelers' first pick, if I'm not mistaken, as well, having traded their first to get Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, and this this was where I, I made Paul quite a generous offer to move up two spots thinking he's going to take Anthony McFarland because at this stage I wanted to do what I could to get McFarland. I offered him the 306 and the 406 to move up to the 304 and initially he said no I want my guy and he sort of gave his game away when he said he really likes AJ Dillon so I breathed a little bit of sigh of relief here and then Paul came back to me and said okay go on then I'll do the trade. But by then, I was confident that he didn't want McFarland. I didn't realize in the background, Chiggs, you're trying to 
convince him to take McFarland. Uh, and that's why well, he asked me and he asked me who should he take there and i said this for me it's got to be anthony mcfarlane um because he said obviously you're trying to trade up and i thought you were trading up to get devin duvernay if i'm honest okay uh, but i said look if you if you if you trade back that's fine but for me it's duvernay and mcfarlane are your two picks here so it's one of those guys i personally am not aj Dillon's biggest fan um, I know Paul was quite high on him, so he took his guy. So, you know, you can't really argue with that. No, and I think by then he may have figured that I'm not going to take Dylan, so he would have dropped to him at the pick two two picks later. Then then I tried quite aggressively to trade with Sid. And again, I was offering the 306 and 406 to move up one spot because I thought Sid's going to take McFarland. But he said to me he's not interested because the only guy he wants was Duvernay. Um, taking a, another Ravens player after taking uh, J.K. Dobbins earlier. This theme continues. But uh, so for me, it was a brilliant result because the player that I was willing to trade up for quite aggressively to two, then four, and then five fell to me at six, and that's Anthony McFarland. So middle to end of the third, as this pick is, love the value there. Steelers. Oh seemed to do a good job with running backs and I couldn't really believe that he fell to me yeah. so it was a no-brainer didn't take me more than 20 seconds to even make the pick I, I knew who I wanted and who I was trying to trade up for so yeah. I was actually going to trade I was actually going to pick him at the 3 at the 301 I'm um, like I told you I was I was thinking of picking him there at the 212 um it's just I think it was a need for me I, I don't have any tight ends uh, uh except for Hunter Henry and I, I needed some depth at that position and if not I would have taken McFarland. Uh, I think that's a solid pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I had him ranked, you know, obviously just after the draft, I had him ranked as my 22nd overall player, right? So back end of the second. So to get him in the almost late third, right, given we had three picks, 213, 14, and 15, that's, that's incredible value. But, you know, I think talent-wise, this guy is actually, you know, got, he's got the talent. If he, can, if he can get that job, I think we've talked about it, you know, that Steelers... Um, running backs always produce so that's going to be uh you can beat out the other guys yeah and then we'll we'll breeze to some of the rest of the picks but cash went devon assi assi I, I like the pick i actually tried to trade up here and give two of my fourths to move up here to get assi assi because i thought my i think of all the tight ends that new england drafted i think in the end it was three uh, he's the one I see with the most upside from a fantasy perspective, but Cash didn't really want to trade down, so I thought fair enough. Asi Asi was the pick. Paul then had another pick here and took Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, fairly sensible pick, another sort of gadget type player, and if anything was to happen to Josh Jacobs, you'd think we'll get a lot of opportunity there. May even be used sparingly as a receiver in the slot or something. So Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, back on to Ben at 3-9, took Joshua Kelly. Again, charges a, uh, another team that have used unproven young talent at running back. And I know Melvin Gordon had draft capital, but the likes of uh, Austin Eckler was a free agent. Um, Justin Jackson didn't have very high draft capital. So like the opportunity here for Josh Kelly. I thought that was a good pick by... Uh, ben back on to Kush who had another pick in the third he took DJ Dallas I like DJ Dallas a lot 
post-draft. I loved the position, but then once they took Carlos Hyde, I think that was a bit of a kicker to his value, particularly for year one, which is the position, the time when you expect running backs to get sort of opportunity year one, latest year two. So it could pan out, but don't hate the pick here. I really like the next pick. And Mo, you, you were questioning who I was trading up for or who I was going to take because I do like Anto- uh, Antonio Gandhi-Golden. Not only is he great off the field, he's bowled a perfect game. He can do a Rubik's Cube in under a minute. He can paint. <laughs> Amazing picture. Just what a hell of a guy. But a uh, very talented player. Uh, out of liberty, I believe, right? So I do like AGG. I'm excited to see what he can do in a very, very young Redskins team down there. The thing is, he hasn't really got much competition ahead of him, right? So that that's the key with him. I think the opportunity is there. If he sort of comes into camp and, and shows what he can do, you know, other than Scary Terry, no one's really sort of shown enough to sort of secure that second wide receiver spot over there. So, Yeah, Stephen Sims ended the season well. Yeah. But otherwise, um, yeah, no, I like the pick there. And then Mo being super flex... You turned into our resident QB whisperer and took Jacob Eason. Was there I honestly, I wanted deliberation Gandhi. here. I wanted Gandhi, honestly. I, I didn't. That that was who I was expecting to fall to me. Um, I had no idea Imran was going to Imran was going to grab him. I thought he was going to. I thought he had a couple other options he was going to go towards, and um, and I thought he was going to address some of his needs at um, uh, uh what was it? I think the tight end. And I was hoping he was going to draft a tight end and I was going to get Gandhi and I would have been happy. Uh, however, he, he went and sniped Gandhi for me. And um, I think here, I, just pure value. I had to go with whatever was what's going to be the most valuable pick. Uh, as, as a value pick, what, what's it going to be? I mean, at this point, you know, anyone I pick would be a, you know, a shot, you know, just a shot on the dartboard. And I just went with Eason. Uh, he, was, he was a player I always liked. Um, uh, I think he's, you know, he, he's, you know he, he's, he's going to have two great, QBs ahead of him, you know, where he can learn from, and I and I, you know, he has an op, he has an opportunity to become the starting QB in a couple of years. So I think it just made the most sense. I, I would yeah, say I'm uh, I'm the Batman Rivers, of course. Yeah. Sorry, Mo, were you saying something there? Oh, no, I was gonna say almost uh, almost now. I guess the the backup QB whisperer as I'm stocking up <laughs> on. <the backup. laughs> we well, did that last year, and then the likes of. Um... Who was it? Gardner Minshew turned out well for you. Dwayne Haskins. Of course, he was never drafted to be a backup, but uh, sometimes these players work out. Uh, you cross uh, your fingers. Okay. okay. Uh, starting round four, we'll breeze through these quickly then. So, Kush took Thaddeus Moss. I mean, Redskins don't have any tight ends with Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed leaving, so could see playing time there. Danny took LaMichael P. Ryan, who I was disappointed didn't fall to me. I do like him there. Uh, I like the talent. I know one of our previous guests, Jack, spoke highly of LaMichael P. Ryan and wanted the Dolphins to potentially take him. See, I was really hoping P. Ryan slid to me at the next pick because I can see an opportunity for him in, in New York there. You know, they're not sold on Lev Bell. I think they can get out from his contract at the end of the season. Um... And, you know, he, he, he catches the ball well. You know, he's a, he's a solid running back. So, you know, that coupled with a potential opportunity in the in the fourth round, that, that's a really nice pick. Really like that. 
Yeah, so then you you didn't really deliberate much here because I think I tried to move up from the six to the three and have back-to-back picks, but you said you wanted your guy. You took your guy, and that's Isaiah Coulter from the Texans. What do you like about Coulter? Um, I mean, I like, obviously, the opportunity-wise there. I think people were asking me, am I going to take Tyler Johnson um, there? But, you know, Johnson's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Justin Watson, you know, Gronk, all these guys in front of him. The Texans haven't really got much at wide receiver. Obviously, you've got Brandon Cooks has gone there now. Uh, Will Fuller, Kiki Kuti. None of these guys can really stay healthy. Um, and Coulter kind of projects to be that X receiver. So, you know, pure dart throw here. But just of all the guys with opportunity, happy to sort of take a gamble on him here. You know, it's my fourth round pick. I'm already yeah, set aside uh... in QB, so... It wasn't the player I was targeting. I actually was targeting the two that I ended up drafting at four and six. And I was thinking long and hard about which way to do this because there's always a player in between. And I was thinking, who might Sid try and snipe from me? So I went for Albert O uh, from the Broncos at pick 4-4 four, four. in a tight end premium. Um, I just like the upside that he might present, especially coming from Missouri, where Drew Luck was his quarterback. As a freshman, um, he had 11 receiving touchdowns in only 29 receptions, 11. Um, And then also as a sophomore, he had six touchdowns in 43 receptions. Then, of course, Drew Locke got drafted, became a pro, and the numbers went down a little bit last year as a junior. Still six touchdowns, but only the 26 receptions. So I like that reunion with Drew Locke. As a Broncos fan, uh, I like the weapons that we've given Locke this year. So I do like Locke a lot as a fantasy QB. But yeah, I thought Albert O <clears throat> represents good value here. Uh, and in fact, I think the Imran later was messaged, said he was gutted he didn't fall to him and um, you know wanted him to take him at the 411 uh, as it was. So no, I, I like Albert O and... Then the other player I wanted was Eno Benjamin. So thankfully, Sid didn't take him here. Sid actually ended up taking um, James Fisher. Another Ravens player. So there's a few homer picks here. I took Albert O as a homer pick. Sid took James Prochet as a homer pick as well. Uh, Then it was back on me. So I ended up taking Eno Benjamin. Now, I know we spoke in a previous episode about Eno and... He could easily be a player that gets cut. He didn't have the draft capital. He's taken in the seventh. So while I appreciate all of that, I do like the upside that he brings. There wasn't really anybody else screaming at me here who I could take. Um, I did consider Jose Deguara just because I think he could get a bit of opportunity at GB, at Green Bay, sorry. But I took Eno just because in spite of the draft capital, he was second in all players in terms of receptions. And... While there's Chase Edmonds and, of course, Kenyon Drake, I like the skill set that Eno brings and just think that if not at the Cardinals, could carve out a role somewhere. So out of all the players drafted, he was second with 42 receptions for 347 yards. Plus, he actually ran for over 1,000 yards last year uh, playing for Arizona State. So he's staying home. He's in Arizona again. I like the talent pre-draft. Surprising he fell so far in the actual draft. Uh, but for me, it was a it was a quick no-brainer pick here. Uh, next few picks, then so Cash paired Assi Assi with Dalton Keane. Smart move there. I think the Patriots will be playing a bit more twelve personnel there. They don't 
have many proven receivers. You know, Nikhil, Harry, Sanu really haven't done it yet. And then Edelman's lost Brady. Uh, we had then Donovan Peoples-Jones, which is another homer pick by Byron as a Browns fan. And then Tyler Johnson. So, Mo, any thoughts on those picks? I know we went through a few quite quickly. Um, I loved your uh, Eno Benjamin. Um, uh, I thought Proche was also a nice little sleeper. Um, and uh, Perrine. Uh, I actually thought about drafting Perrine there at the end of the third. And, um, yeah, but again, I think at this point, you're, you're at this, it's a stage of the draft. You're just, you know, they're all dark shots, um, dartboard shots here. And you're just kind of hoping that um, one or two of them uh, pan out, hopefully. Uh, I mean, uh, honestly, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't put much weight on it in any of these players at this point. They're just kind of like, it, here's, here's my most hesitate, my biggest hesitation. Because of no rookie mini camp, because of you know, lack of um, camp uh, prior to training camp, uh, like like these little mini mini workouts or camps that they just kind of hold, like wide receiver uh, getting together, running back groups getting together, uh, personnel getting together. I, I I can see a lot of these rookies here, in the, you know, drafted here towards the end of NFL drafts get cut and not make the roster just because they just you know they have the you have veterans who already know the system, already know it, uh, what they need to be, what they need to do, and they they're just, they're just far ahead of the curve, unfortunately. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, there's always that threat Benjamin could get cut, but we're talking but, uh, middle of the fourth here. Correct, so, yeah. correct. You're not investing a lot of capital here, right? So, no, exactly. I was going to say, last few picks then of the uh, of the fourth was Josiah Deguara, somebody I considered. Chris took him. Another homer pick as a Packers fan. <laughs> so seeing a bit of a theme here. Um Imran took a player I really liked and hope fell to me at 12. Didn't, unfortunately, but Quintus Cephas at the Lions. May not get much opportunity in year one while <clears throat> Amandola, Golladay, and Marvin Jones are around. But <clears throat> next year, none of those players are actually under contract. I assume they'll sign Golladay to a long-term extension. But Amandola and Marvin Jones, I don't think the Lions will keep or invest in. Now, one thing I think that really helped Cephas's draft value was uh, Jeff Okuda, who was taken by the Lions at, what, pick three? When they asked him who his toughest opponent was in college, which receiver gave him the most trouble, he actually said Quintus Cephas of all the players. Now, I don't know if that was because they drafted him and he's trying to hype up the player, but it certainly <laughs> got a lot of attention. So for the number one corner in all of college last year to say that the hardest receiver he faced was Cephas I wanted to get a bit of that and you know see if he can carve out a role where the Lions won't be keeping a lot of the receivers that are there now and last pick then I ended up taking Gabriel Davis like the talent had a lot of receiving yards at UCF I don't think he'll get much opportunity in year one not while John Brown and Cole Beasley are still around but I do like the potential um, that he might bring. And he's a fighter. He's a battler. And I think that will go down well with the McDermott and the coaching staff there. They, they look for those, you know, fighters there. So, again, bit of a dart throw. Just thought it might might be. I, I actually like that pick. I was hoping he went undrafted. Yeah. Or I need the last pick. Uh, but I, Gabriel Davis, um, he's, uh, he's an interesting pick. I like it. Okay, and then last round, then Kush took James Robinson. 
I guess with the Fournette situation, unclear, always worth taking a Jags running back potentially. Uh, next pick, another home pick, Bryson Hopkins for Danny at the Rams. Uh, Paul took a player I really like uh, here, actually, Jason Huntley. So I mentioned how Eno Benjamin was second of the players drafted in terms of catching. Jason Huntley was actually third. He had 40 receptions last year, so could have a good value. And I think that harms Ty Johnson, unfortunately. And in fact, the coaching staff or the GM actually came out and said, we'll find a role for Huntley. So good pickup here in the fifth round. Again, bit of a dart throw, but I think with that Huntley pick, it could spell the end of one week waiver wonder Ty Johnson. <laughs> and uh, you can expect me to probably drop him onto waivers soon, actually. Uh, Paul had another pick, Quez Watkins, one of many, many receivers that were taken by the Eagles. So it's a bit of a crapshoot there outside of Rager. Who else gets the opportunity? Uh, but they'll all have a chance to prove themselves at the end of the day. Sid made a sensible move taking Jake from as a you know, backup QB. A lot of bad press came out about some text that he sent with a bit of racial undertone to it perhaps but um i think for now the buffalo staff are going to back him and had a decent <laughs> college career as well so that's, a, that's how buffalo rolls they did that with allen they do it again with Fromm. yeah exactly i i went for a bit of a homer pick here but i do like the value i took colin johnson player i've actually seen play live a couple of times very very good receiver a couple of years ago at texas and it was his injury last year that gave Devin Duvernay all the opportunity that he got. And Duvernay, I think, ended up third in all all uh, receiving yards, third or fourth last year. But as a as a big, tall receiver, I just thought it's worth the. Um, you know, Jags aren't loaded with receiving uh, or high end receiving talent, and just hoping that maybe he could carve a role out there, potentially as a red zone threat. And if not, then he hits the waivers. Um, before we do the last six, any thoughts on the first six picks here? Anyone, Chiggs? Um, I quite like the Bryson Hopkins pick for from Danny for the Rams. I know they've got uh, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby there, but no, I can I can see them moving on from Everett for sure. So you know they both produced um, in flashes there as well. So you know Titan Premium getting him in the fifth round, I think uh, is quite nice value. See Colin Johnson, um, Texas fan myself. It's uh, yeah, it's nice to see if he can get get a role there in Jacksonville. As you say, they're not loaded at talent, so um, hopefully he can make the roster and, and get a spot there. Absolutely. Okay, last six picks. Then uh, rounding out, uh, Jake Luton was taken by Cash, another super flex pick, backup QB, um, six round pick, just as Gardner Minshew was last year. So. Who knows, if Minshew doesn't pan out, then maybe another six-rounder gets an opportunity in oh. Jake Luton. <laughs> of course, you're hoping that doesn't happen, Mo, but uh, never say never. Uh, then, uh, I'm going to pick again with Harrison Bryant, uh, tight end at the Browns. Who knows what's going to happen with Njoku there. I mean, they've signed uh, Austin Hooper to a long-term and a big contract, but Njoku, um, they've kept him on the... 50-year option, but who knows what happens after that, so could have upside. Joe Reed was a player I liked. I actually was hoping he fell to the waivers. Could actually manage to carve out a role from year one, depending on 
what happens. It's really Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. And after that, it's a bit of open competition. So Joe Reed, one of those players, is kind of hoping may have fallen uh, to the waivers and <clears throat> might have gone for him and dumped off somebody like uh, Ty Johnson or, or someone like that. Anthony Gardner went next at backup QB again at the Seahawks. Darnell Mooney, Chicago receiver, was picked at 11. And then finally, Mo, you ended the draft with Hunter Bryant. So, Mo, any thoughts on those final six picks? Uh, I really loved Mooney. I loved Mooney in this. Um, I think uh, just watching him on film, just really liked the way he played. Uh, Chicago, you know, you know, after Allen Robinson, uh, Miller... Um, who, again, I think they're only contracted for another year or two. Um, I thought, uh, you know, Mooney does have an opportunity there. You got Ginn there as well. So, again, nothing nothing in the first year, but um, he could be a decent uh, development player. I like the Anthony, Anthony Gordon pick. Um, just the offense that came out of there in Washington. I mean, that's how Minshew was so pro-ready immediately, um, where, you know, that, that whole offense that they run there in Washington is kind of a pro-style offense, and just, they're just, you should just, guns, just gunslingers. That's what they developed there. Um, so I, I, did, I did like that pick, too. I would have considered him. Uh, he is the third quarterback right now, because I believe they draft, didn't they? Didn't the Seattle Seahawks pick up? Uh, yes, Gina Smith. Gina Smith, that's it. So um he may he may or may not uh, uh end up being in the roster at the end but um and then also um, I Chris, Chris is already got um Russell Wilson Geno Smith and now he's picked up Anthony Gordon so he's definitely got that Seattle quarterback situation sorted. Correct. Yeah, it made it made perfect sense for him. That that, that was the pick for him. I, I, if if he had felt if he had felt to me, I would have thought of sniping him just to maybe create some trade value with Chris. So, Mo, this was your first rookie draft. Any lessons learned, do you think, that you'll take to next season? Or if you were to speak to somebody who's doing their first rookie draft, any advice you'd give? Um, I think one thing I learned is I think uh, kind of kind of playing that whole game theory game with, you know, with other players in your league is key. Try not to show your hands um, when, you're, when you're talking about trades with other people to, uh, you know, just in case someone else comes in and snipes you or they, they want the same player and you don't get that trade. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that, I think that, I think that played a bigger role than I thought it would. I always thought people would just kind of look at the roster. They have their rankings and I didn't think I, I was surprised by the amount of training that transpired during this draft. And, um, I think it played a big role, especially when it came to, uh, like, you know, the whole game theory and the cat and mouse game you play with these other managers. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. It's definitely entertaining for, to watch for sure. And then sometimes, like me, you make a move just to snipe another manager. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's, it's fun. It's all fun. Yeah, and dare I say, this is why I think Dynasty is the best form of fantasy football. <clears throat> just because you have that strategic look. You have a lot more cat and mouse, a lot more of that game theory involved. So I, I just love all the permutations of playing in Dynasty fantasy football. Chiggs, any lessons from this? Yeah. I think the, the key is just to go into the draft and be fluid, you know, like obviously have your guys that you want and, you know, I think a few of the guys proved, you know, they're a bit willing to be aggressive and trade up to get their guys. I'm I'm a full advocate of that, you know, like if, you, if you've got a guy that you really want, go get him, you know, give, give up what you need to, to trade up and, and make that move because ultimately you want this guy on your team and you're going to be happy with that. 
and then that's cool, you know. Um, yeah, and the other thing I say is, you know, go in with a plan, um, kind of know the areas of needs that you need. But as Mo said, you should always be looking at what other people are trying to do, you know, what are their team needs, try and, you know, see where you can actually maybe trade back and still get your guy just pick up a little bit of extra value. You should always be looking to try and trade even in the rookie draft, um, you know, whether it's up or down, and, and get some more value, you know? So, yeah, just be fluid. Um, yeah, really happy with the way the draft went. It was fun. You know, I think it was quite quick as well. I think we were done in a, a couple of days, actually, weren't we? So, yeah, all that sort of months and months of prep and anticipation, and it just kind of flew by. Yeah, and I think the one thing that, because I, I, I'm really happy with the way my draft turned out. Uh, and I sort of built to this moment by doing a lot of trades before the draft. But I think the one thing that I went in doing that helped was looking at all of the other rosters and identifying the team needs just so you can play your strategy out better. Uh, as I said, I did kind of need a QB and I considered Herbert a few times. But... I thought the only player who was going to, there was a risk in the first round that might take him was Sid. And I would rather the, the RBs there anyway. I didn't think Cash was going to take him. So I was completely happy to not take him at four or six. And then when I got to the eight, make that decision on whether it's one of the receivers, Herbert or Akers. As it transpired, I managed to get Daniel Jones. Not everyone may get that offer. But uh, it was very key knowing your uh, opponents and knowing what their needs are when you're planning and plotting and considering, well, even if that means making an aggressive move as I did with you to move up to get T Higgins, don't be afraid to get be the quote-unquote value loser in a trade if it means you get the guy you really want. So um, certainly the advice I'd give. But that was a lot of fun. Um, feels like a little bit of a null period now until we have our next IDP startup draft in a few weeks. Just need to start doing some IDP research for sure but um this was fun as well breaking down the draft so thanks for joining guys uh that's me signing out chigs see you guys and mo giddy up